Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm Nicole, your breeder community lead here at Good Dog, and I'm so excited to be joined today by Karen Yap, who is an amazing member of our Good Breeder community and one of her very recent puppy buyers, Susan. They'll be sharing more about their experience working together and all that goes into applying and eventually bringing your puppy home from a breeder. For any listeners that are new here, I just wanted to say welcome. We are so happy to have you here. Good Dog is on a mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them by advocating for dog breeders, educating the public, and promoting canine health and responsible dog ownership. We're a secure and free online community created just for dog breeders, and we're committed to empowering dog breeders with technology. If you aren't yet a member of our community, we invite you to learn more about our mission and apply to join at gooddog.com join. So to kick things off, I will pass things over to the two of you to introduce yourselves. So Karen, do you want to start off telling us a little bit about yourself, your breeding program, and also how you came to Good Dog? Well, I'll do that in reverse. I came to Good Dog. I saw a post on Facebook that I'd never seen before. And at first, I got to say, I thought, what is this, like a broker or something like that? So I had to investigate because if it was something I needed to stay away from, I was going to block you. (laughs) (laughs) And I got to tell you, when I clicked to investigate, I was absolutely shocked. I truly, I was like, am I really reading what I'm reading? That there's someone out there that wants to bring breeders and good families together and really wants to hold breeders accountable for what they're doing, not only hold them accountable, but raise the bar. So needless to say, from that point on, I really just dove in and just was more pleased with everything that I saw. So I was real quick to want to become a member, I think pretty close to the beginning. And I have thoroughly enjoyed it as it's grown the education that you provide, grants that you provide. Again, I can't say enough about it. And I am so pleased that somebody thought this was necessary and actually had the guts to do it because it's pretty controversial to some people. So I applaud Good Dog. And again, I'm a very proud member. So a little bit about me. I'm now an empty nester. I raised three beautiful daughters who have now blessed me with six beautiful grandchildren that are even better than they are. (laughs) And I've bred horses, I've bred golden doodles, but I was never able to make it something that I did full-time to fulfill me. I have a business, a logistics business that pays my bills, and I'm slowly retiring from that. So this is something that I've always wanted to do because I loved animals. And the Australian Labradoodle, once I was introduced to that breed and did the research, and then I had quite a bit of hands-on time understanding them. That was it. I was done. It is my full-time, I'm not going to say job. It is a job, but it is my full-time love. It fulfills me in so many ways. And I'm able to enjoy this with my grandchildren. They learn the business side of it. They learn how to care for dogs. They're pretty good little trainers. They desensitize my puppies to children, the way they scamp around and sudden movements. And they learn about the reproductive system. They get great science classes. And we're living our best life on a 20-acre ranch in Southern Oregon and just enjoying every day. I would like to live my best life on a ranch in Oregon. That sounds great. (laughs) Well, it took a long time, but we're finally here. Awesome. Well, thank you again for being here and for being such a great member of our Good Breeder community. We are so lucky to have you. Susan, I'll pass things over to you to give a little background on yourself, your background with dogs especially, and maybe tell us how you realized you were ready to begin your search for a dog. Okay. Well, thank you for having me and for having us together on this podcast because we've had such an incredible experience with both Good Dog and Karen from the get-go. 
So just a little bit about us. My husband and I live in an apartment in New York City, and we raise two kids here, both of whom live independently now in New York City. We've officially been empty nesters now for three years, and we had always talked about getting a dog, but our lifestyle wasn't really ready to accommodate a puppy. And then last year, we got caught up in a little bit of the COVID puppy fever and thought, wow, you know, we're home all the time. This might be the right time for us to do this. And we had escaped to the Berkshires in Western Massachusetts for a good part of that time with our family. And we just thought for all of us, it would really enrich our lives to have a puppy. So that was kind of the start of the process. And then earlier this year, I decided to pivot in my career and I am now working from home full time. So it really lent itself to having a puppy because I couldn't imagine leaving home at eight o'clock in the morning and returning at seven and that being good for a puppy. So it felt like the sun and the moon and the stars were aligning for us this year. In terms of like our background with dogs, my husband had a dog growing up, but I didn't. My parents got one for a younger brother when I went off to college. And so it was really his dog and I wasn't there for the training. I wasn't there for the discipline. I wasn't there for just kind of the wake up in the middle of the night to walk a dog. So this is really my first experience. And just out of curiosity, because I love to hear what draws different people to the breeds that they gravitate towards, what really drew you to the Australian Labradoodle breed in particular? Oh, there's like so many amazing attributes or traits of an Australian Labradoodle. You know, I think temperament was the primary driver. They are really people, dogs, they love human connection. They are loving. They are wonderful companions. We really wanted a mini just because we didn't think it was fair to have a really large dog in an apartment. And we were drawn to them for those reasons. And also too, they're known to be really bright dogs. And, you know, it sounds a little sort of intellectual snobby, but that had appeal too. We wanted a dog that would give and take. She's already given so much more than she's taken, but it's clear she's smart. She thinks she just loves challenging us. That's amazing. That's great. And I think we should really start things off where it makes sense, diving into the application process, which is really how these breeder and buyer relationships begin and take off. So Susan, I was wondering if you could tell us more about your application process. And since this was your first time working with a breeder, which is really great, was there anything that you would say you were surprised by or any preconceived notions that you had about working with a dog breeder? I didn't have any preconceived notions, but once we made the decision to start the process, good dog makes it easy. And there's a level of trust that we had in good dog that allowed us to just go full steam ahead with the process because we knew good dog was vetting the breeders and we knew it was important for the breeders to have that connection to on the other side, that there's a mutualness to the relationship between the two. And that was important to us. And I think too, for us, it's not like we were searching for what breed do we want? We knew what breed we wanted. So it was a question of finding the right breeder. And once we had that connection to Karen, we knew we had found the right breeder and we knew we were going to be patient And if we didn't get a puppy in 2021 litter, we were going to wait until 2022. And then Karen, from your perspective, what really stood out to you about Susan's application? And in general, when you're evaluating puppy buyer applications, what are some of those things that you're looking for 
to really know if someone's a good match for your program. Well, I'll continue with some of the things that Susan mentioned. Being a part of Good Dog, I do have a certain level of expectation that if a potential buyer is going through Good Dog, they've done some research. They're reading things on your website about what to expect from a good breeder. Hopefully they've read some things about raising a puppy. So that in itself will help elevate an application for me if somebody's done that kind of research rather than they just Googled doodle and happened to find me. So part of my process is to ask, how did you find me? And again, good dog takes precedence in that. Second of all, for Susan in particular, Susan was sent as a referral. Referrals are the greatest thing a breeder could ever ask for because they are coming from someone who already has one of your dogs or knows your program intimately. So you can let a bit of your guard down with the type of family that you're being introduced to at the moment. If those two things didn't exist, there's quite a process that I take the buyers through with me. I'm not a person that says, fill out an application and you are number 62 on the list. It couldn't be further from the truth. I'm looking for established families, you know, not to say anything bad about 25-year-old newlyweds, but I breed one litter at a time. I breed for demand as I'm asked through referrals and life's tough. So just starting out, getting married, starting your family, you want to add a puppy. Those are all, you know, a little bit of red flag for me. So Susan and Mike established people. They had given great consideration to wanting a puppy. They had waited a long time in their life to do that. And then I must say, as the phone calls start and you get to know one another, you can learn a lot. And I spend a lot of time on the phone versus an application. If people are willing to engage with me, open up, and you start to build that relationship, you can catch people tripping up in their words. I'm watching for that. Susan and Mike, I mean, they just represented such a beautiful home life and enrichment through their adult children. Being in New York City, my goodness, action-packed, but yet they also had the opportunity to go live a little bit more of a rural life in their other home. But I would say above all for any family for me, it's how do we get along? Can we communicate? Are we consistently having to correct our sentences or saying, gosh, no, I didn't mean that. Or you must have misunderstood me or I misunderstood you. If that's starting to occur, then I'm starting to question the application process and perhaps suggesting that I'm not the right reader. Yeah, I would love to jump in and just underscore everything Karen just said from our perspective. We appreciated how hard she worked at getting to know us because it was as important to us that we were going to be set up for success once we got the puppy and that we would have this long-term relationship with her. And, you know, I felt the build gradually over time on a first date, you don't ask everything you want to know. You hold back on a few things that they are maybe too personal to ask on a first date. But we really peel back the onion in a very natural and trusting way. And I knew there was no guarantee we would get a puppy in this litter. But I was committed, like I had fallen for Karen, as much as I had fallen for the idea of getting one of her puppies, and I knew waiting was going to be okay because it was for the right reasons. And I loved how we weren't just an application. We were a family. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I think Susan made a great point that while you're bringing this puppy into your life, you're also bringing this breeder and this quote unquote, new family member into your life as well. And it really is a relationship between the both of you. So it's great that you could kind of find that mutual trust and understanding and security and 
all of really that great stuff that goes into forging that initial relationship. So moving from the application, the next thing is probably the toughest part of the process, I think, which is the waiting portion of the process. I think there's a ton of misconceptions out there working with dog breeders. And I think people feel that once they apply, the dog is just going to appear very quickly. And I think that the beauty of working with a dog breeder is that patience really pays off. You get a puppy that's a perfect fit for you and your lifestyle, a healthy puppy that's been cared for and enriched by an amazing program. So I think touching on the waiting process would actually be really helpful for people. So Karen, can you take us a little bit behind the scenes of Susan's initial application at, I believe it was the beginning of last year. So it was a while ago and how long it was until you knew that she and her family would be definitely the right fit for one of your puppies. Yes, Susan applied, I believe, around the end of January or beginning of February and has just received her beautiful little girl a couple of weeks ago. And it's interesting. I don't have your typical wait list, if you will. I go with need versus want first. I don't care who called first. I go with best qualified. And so I explain to people that it doesn't work if I have a litter that's due next month, but you're not the right fit for the temperament that I'm expecting out of this litter. I'm not going to give you that puppy just to sell a puppy and move it. And Susan really understood that, as I hope all of my families do. It can be a very long wait, but when you're thinking about adding a family member, We wait nine months once we're pregnant. Hopefully we think about it for a long time before that, before we have a baby. It is always worth the wait. (laughs) And you can have long wait lists because there's large breeding programs and they're cycling a lot of dogs. You can have long waits because it's a small breeding program. But I think what you should be looking for is a wait period that suits what you're looking for. So sometimes somebody can get a puppy from me in less than six months. Other times they can wait a year or two. So my process is a little bit different, again, other than just who called first, who filled out the application, who dropped the deposit, and things of that nature. And during the process, once somebody is accepted as a future family for me, We talk, we're getting to know each other, random phone calls or a quick text to make sure that that interest is still very high. I don't even ask up front for the deposit. I put on my website that I do because I don't want people just bothering me if they're really not interested. But I want to see the commitment before I even get your money. So I take my families on the journey of okay, I'm expecting a heat cycle around this time, but I don't interfere. And okay, now the heat cycle happened. We start day one from the first shed of blood. And then I take them through the process of how it really works. Day one of cycle is not day one of pregnancy. Day one of mating is not day one of pregnancy. And so they learn that, you know, you're tracking progesterones, you're watching LH surges, you're looking for ovulation. You're doing your mating. Here's what's happening in the first 30 days. Here's the ultrasound confirming pregnancy. And they're kind of building a baby book at this point. <laughs> so we go all the way through that process. It's a whole journey we take together. I tell them when due date is. And I say, give me a day on either side. But, you know, I always shoot for 100% on that 63rd day. And so it's building up the anticipation. And then saying, all right, baby's born. Now, every week you're going to hear all about what we've done. And each week, I find, gets the families, they go from so excited to this dip of going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, the dog is actually coming home. Oh dear. And so then it becomes, let's prepare you. Let's get you ready. I mean, I hope that answers your question, but the process itself, it's the journey you start to take from that very first phone call and being as involved as you possibly can. And if people aren't interested in being involved in the process, I can drop them off the list too. 
because that's my puppy. (laughs) Yes. I love how involved you get your puppy buyers so that they really understand everything from start to finish. And I think it's just so cool personally to learn all of the work that goes into having a puppy. I think that it's sometimes overlooked and the focus is on the actual puppy, but there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes, even months, even years before having the right breeding stock. It's just so incredible. And I think it's such a privilege, honestly, for puppy buyers to have that behind the curtain view on what breeders do. So I think it's awesome that you do that and you keep them so involved. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's very exciting for me, again, because I'm creating this life. You know, my dog didn't choose to get pregnant. I got her pregnant. And so it's always mama and puppy first. I would never hesitate to pull out of the promise of a puppy if I had a red flag. You can threaten me with a lawsuit all you want. I don't care. It's my puppy. It's not leaving if I don't feel it's safe and going to be in its forever home. It's my job to make sure that happens. Definitely. And Susan, for you being exposed to this whole world and all of this for the first time, I think what we're all getting at is how the experience and patience really pays off when you work with a responsible dog breeder. But how did you feel like throughout the whole waiting process, especially with Karen's updates? What was that process like for you? The process was really incredible. Karen is a fantastic communicator. If you haven't already gotten the sense of that yet, (laughs) I will just underscore that point because you really do feel connected and it doesn't feel like waiting. You know, I felt invested in Bindi's pregnancy from the get-go because Karen shared what was happening. She shared the sonogram. She shared just everything that was an indication of a healthy pregnancy that made us feel good and made us feel like we were also going through it in a very remote fashion, but nonetheless, we were going through it. All of her weekly updates once the puppies were born were incredible. Of course, the photos were the first things we looked at (laughs) because they were so fantastic. But, you know, starting, I think, around week three with her treatise on puppy nutrition, you know, we really began to get into the education process of what we needed to do to really be prepared for the homecoming of our puppy and start ordering food and just becoming educated about diet because there's so many different options out there. And then just a few weeks before, our puppy's name is Sadie, before Sadie came to us, came home, Karen sent just so much incredible information about how to greet our puppy communicating, potty training, discipline, like everything you could possibly want to touch on. She did that for us and then augmented it with phone calls to just make sure we were getting prepared in the right way. So I'd say the communication was really at the heart of what made that waiting process a lot easier. And I guess the best part of the waiting process is that it does eventually end and you're eventually brought into the matching process. So Karen, I think the day your puppies were born, I believe it was in September, which is so exciting. So Susan, I'm curious how you felt when you got that email from Karen letting you know that the litter was born. Did it all kind of start to feel really real to you at that time? It very much felt real because again, we were not certain we were going to be lucky enough to get a puppy from this litter. So not only did we get the good news that the litter was born and there were five healthy puppies, but that we would be getting one. So it was really kind of overwhelming and just really exciting. For a little bit of context, the puppies in this litter were kind of, they were different. They were definitely not homogenous. There were two chocolates, one caramel, one chocolate and white party, and one caramel and white. So visually, they were all a little bit different. And, you know, from the start, we knew that 
the matching process was really in Karen's hands. And we trusted her on that because, you know, not every puppy is necessarily going to be destined for riding an elevator every day and concrete backyard. So we really wanted to make sure that it was the right puppy for us too. And it would have been easy to allow ourselves to fall in love just based on what the puppies look like. But we didn't really do that until it was almost go home time. And then we started forming some attachments, but we always thought it would be in Karen's hands, which one was going to come home to us. Yeah. And Karen, I would love to hear your insight into your puppy matching process, because I know it looks a little different for every breeder. So when does it usually begin and what kinds of things do you really take into account when you're making that perfect match? Well, Honestly, Nicole, the process begins the day they're born. They are monitored, charted, notes taken for every milestone. And when I say milestone, you know, you talk about the eyes turning on, the ears turning on, walking, things like that. But there are so many other milestones that take place that I begin the day after they're born. And that is elevating a puppy. What does it do? It can't hear, it can't see but it can certainly feel that something's changed. So again, it starts that early and they are taken through the paces. And when I say the paces, I don't mean that they're uncomfortable in any way. They are always comfortable, but you introduce before real senses turn on and you start to get a feel for, you know, who's got that confidence immediately, who is confident, but a little too bold who is shy, or, I mean, you can attach all kinds of adjectives to this little developing personality, but who they are at the core is what you're trying to find out. And so I'm doing this every single day, all day long, watching them. Even if I'm not interacting at the moment, I'm still watching how they're interacting with their mom and their litter mates, the way they eat, how do they approach the bowl? For goodness sakes, that could be a whole podcast in itself. So taking all of my notes day by day by day, at right about seven and a half weeks, I perform a full-blown temperament test. And there's a wonderful program called Avidog. That's a science-based program that I absolutely love. And there's also puppy culture. And I'm a person that doesn't necessarily follow the rules of one thing. I research and get to know a few different ways of doing things. And then through having puppies, you kind of create this blend and you're taking the best out of different types of programs or different ways. So I've kind of come up with my own way of doing it. Again, science-based, but also what works for me, what I feel gives me the most feedback from my puppies. And at about that seven and a half week mark, I put the puppies through a temperament test And basically what that is, is separating them from the litter, separating them from their mom and having them somewhat uncomfortable, not pain or anything like that, but just this is different and seeing how they react to certain objects that they haven't seen before, loud noises, again, an assortment of things. And I do my own evaluation from that. I add that to what I already know about the puppy when it's very comfortable. Then I take all the puppies to a third-party evaluator. And the puppies are leaving my home, going to a home they've never been to, meeting someone they've never met before, and being removed from their litter mates one by one. And it's interesting because, yes, they're out of sorts. What this is going to tell me is how is that puppy going to react when they get to their new home and when they initially get there? That gives me great insight to tell my family what to expect from the puppy for the first couple of weeks. But then I can back up and say, but at the core, this is who your dog is. Once it learns to trust you, once you've created that bond and they know that they are okay with you, they're familiar with the sounds, the smells, This is who you're going to see come out. And this is who you're going to have for the rest of your life. 
yes, you'll have the ability to imprint behaviors and things of that manner. But by going from the day after they're born all the way through to them being handed off and having that great knowledge one litter at a time, I feel allows me to match people with a puppy that they'll love for life, not just love the look of. And more specifically, I would say with Susan's puppy, with Sadie, how did you go about matching her and making sure that Sadie would be the right fit for Susan's lifestyle and everything she needed? Susan, also, how did you go about making your choice? Because I'm sure Karen presented you with a lot of information about the different puppies. So I'm curious how that process worked between the two of you. So, you know, as I said earlier, we didn't really expect to have a choice. But as we were getting to that day when we were going to find out which puppy we were getting, Karen said, do you have time for a chat? And I thought, hmm, okay. Like, I thought it was actually going to be the next day that we were finding out which puppy. So I thought maybe we're going to find out a day early. And what she said was, you know, there's actually more than one puppy that I want to chat with you about. And we had already said, look, we don't think that the most rambunctious puppy will be the right fit for apartment living. And likewise, we don't think the shyest one will handle the sirens and the fire trucks and all the sights and sounds of the city well. So when she said there's a couple, we knew that that was already kind of filtered for what the environment would be that this puppy was going to live in. And she went on to describe the traits of the puppies and didn't tell us which puppies visually they matched to. Because as she said, it's more than just about falling in love with the look of a puppy. It really has to be the right fit. So when she described Sadie, some of the adjectives I remember she used were assertive, confident, a really strong communicator, very smart, intellectual, great human connection, great eye contact, which actually I can attest to. I texted Karen like within the first few days and said, if Sadie was in a staring contest, she would win hands down. No doubt. She's got amazing eye contact, just very loving. And then she said, you know, with the right training and the right level of engagement, she could potentially be a service dog. And we loved that idea. That was not something we had ever really thought about. But as soon as she said it, it really resonated with us. And then when she shared with us that the description of this puppy matched the caramel puppy, we couldn't have been happier because we had become quite attached to that puppy. And again, that was just the look of the puppy, but it just felt like the sun and the moon and the stars were lining up. And the other thing that she said was because of the description that she had shared about Sadie, that she needed a family that would respect her needs. And that when she was communicating what she needed, we would need to really understand that. And that, you know, it would be more challenging for some to deal with that than for others. And we kind of like the idea that she was going to hold us to a higher standard and that we'd really have to deliver for her too. So we couldn't have been happier with the result of the matching process. That's amazing. I mean, from everything you've described about her, she sounds like an incredible puppy with all of the best qualities that you could really ask for. She very much is. <laughs> she really is. And as I said earlier, she's given so much more than she's taken. And we've had her be two weeks tomorrow. So we're off to a great start. So I think we can all agree that the matching process, it really works. And sometimes it, <laughs> it might feel like it's a little out of your control, but it really does work. And you have to really follow, I think, your breeder's lead because they know the puppies best. And I think they get to know their buyers really well and figure out what's best for them. And I think this is really a testament to that, which is great to see. 
It is truly trusting the process. Before you can trust the process, you have to trust your breeder and your family. So I think through this conversation, we've kind of touched on every portion of the process, except for the going home process and what I would like to call, I guess, beyond, because as you mentioned, this relationship doesn't ever really end between breeder and buyer. It's kind of a lifetime relationship, which is really incredible. So just to touch on the go home process, especially with Sadie, which was just a few weeks ago, which is probably crazy for both of you to think about. Karen, I'll start with you. And what do you do to get the puppies ready to make their big journeys for some of them? Like in Sadie's case, she was going across the country and also getting the new owners ready for this really big day. You know, typically puppies, what they need to do is they need to see the world in a safe way. They don't just need to see it. They need to smell it, see it, hear it, and feel it. And they need to feel it and bring all of those senses together day in and day out. If they're just raised in your home and they're just listening to your washer and dryer, your dishwasher, your blow dryer, your vacuum, it doesn't do them any good because that's all they're accustomed to. So my pups, part of my program, and again, why I generally will only do one litter at a time, we're in the car every day. We've got the windows down. We're stopping when we hear the sirens for them to soak it in. I have a truck. It has a great bed liner in it. I'll go somewhere in the middle of the Home Depot parking lot. I'll go into the back of the truck. I'll sit with them. I'm not coddling them. They're hearing shopping carts. So we get them used to the sounds of a Home Depot parking lot. And then guess what? We're going in Home Depot. (laughs) You know, they've got all these lights. And again, it's, you know, you could talk about it for days, but you can never, ever spend too much or even enough time preparing a puppy for where they're going to go. No matter what they see or they hear, it still sounds different and it still smells different when they get to their new home. And the worst part for them is they don't have their litter mates with them. What they've learned to trust, where they've looked for guidance. You know, if one puppy moves ahead and says, okay, guys, it's safe. Come on. Their first human contact. None of it's there, including their mom. So they are going to have an adjustment no matter what. So what you're teaching them is to be brave. You're teaching your puppy to trust a process as well. You know, although I can't communicate to my puppies, you can trust me to pick the right family for you. It's like you're willing that into them and you're explaining that to the families. Here's what you need to expect and you need to be forgiving. You can't be too demanding. The puppies are crate trained to sleep through the night. Will they sleep through the night when they get to your home? I don't know. But if you turn on some classical music, they're used to that. We can make that connection. That's going to sound really familiar. Stay on the same channel I did. Scent. You can send scents home with them. And that just doesn't mean, you know, a little t-shirt or a little cloth that was with them for a few hours. You're scenting mom. You're scenting yourself as the human mom. You're scenting the litter mates. And then you want to encourage your families to scent immediately. One of the things that I encourage Susan to do And I encourage all my families to do. It's not the safest thing. All my dogs travel in a safe crate in my vehicle. The one exception I would make to that is when you're taking your puppy home, let that puppy sit with you and realize that over an hour or however many hours, they're picking up on your smell and they're picking up on your touch and your feel and saying nothing bad is happening. Nothing at all. Take advantage of those times. Switch drivers if it's husband, wife. So you do everything you can possibly think of to bring in sounds in different ways, but really work that nose, really work those eyes and get them a little uncomfortable so that they can process that being uncomfortable is not bad. I can get through it. I'm strong. I know that I have never been mistreated. and. If my mom finds out that I went somewhere that mistreated me, (laughs) she's going to come get me. But no, you know, we joke, but it is a very scary process for a breeder. 
We rely on our instincts. We prepare our dogs. We prepare our families. And then we have to follow up to make sure we made the right decisions. Definitely. And Susan, from your perspective, you're in your apartment. You're waiting for this puppy to arrive. How are you feeling in those few days leading up to her arrival? Excitement. I mean, we were just counting the days. We met her at the airport and it had been a long day for her. Just a really exhausting trip from Oregon to New York. And the individual who brought her put her down and unzipped the carrier. And she was just, I mean, we just melted from the get-go. She was affectionate. She was open. She didn't recoil from us. She was as welcoming as she could be. And we didn't really have expectations, I think in part because we trusted Karen so implicitly But if we had had them, she would have exceeded them. And how is Sadie doing now? What have your past few weeks with her been like? What's she like? How is she doing in her new environment and with the two of you? She's doing great. She walks around here like she owns the place. She knows her way around. She got up during the night, the first three nights. And of course, we thought she needed a potty break. She didn't. She just wanted some playtime. And after those first three nights, she's really slept through the night. And we are crate training her. So she knows that at, you know, a certain time each night, she needs to go in the crate. And she whimpers a little bit, but she's come to be comfortable in that space. And she's just been great. She's wonderful to have around. It feels like she's always been here. She loves engaging. She's playful, but she can also spend time alone. And she seems to need alone time. And she'll crawl underneath a chair or into a tight space. And it's very clear that she's sending a message. You know what? This is my time. And I totally understand and respect that. And I like that about her. She knows what she needs. So the first couple of weeks have been really fantastic. And Karen, I'm sure you love to hear that and kind of get a sneak peek into what Sadie's new life is like. I'm just curious, is it ever, would you say, difficult to send these puppies off to their new homes after you yourself spend so much time connecting with them? You're really there. Since the moment they're born, you have such a hand in deciding what families they'll go home with. Is it ever difficult to see them go off to their new homes? Or is it something that feels really like fulfilling for you just to see such a happy family like Susan's with their new puppy? Well, I'll answer that two ways. One with a little comedy that any breeder would understand. By the time they reach five weeks and you've got multiple puppies You've got a mommy trying to wean, you know, you're doing all the cleanup duty and all that. You're like, oh my gosh, how much longer? That's the reality. You don't stop loving them and all of that. But honestly, for me, I put so much time and effort into connecting with my families that it becomes something that I'm almost as excited as they are. I know what this puppy's going to do for every one of my families. And I know that it is filling a void of some kind, whether they know it or not. This puppy is now a brand new family member. And like Susan said, in a very short period of time, it's like they've been there forever and you don't know how you lived without them. That for me is so fulfilling. I know what my dogs do for me. And to think that I am creating that for other people Truly, I'm jumping out of my skin to deliver that wonderful, wonderful gift of life. And it doesn't matter what stage of life someone's in. It is just such a blessing, such a gift when you are matched with the right dog. And it's a forever relationship that you have with your families. It's a journey, again, that you take from prior to conception all the way through the horrible day of bereavement. You learn that this puppy that became this dog was in someone's wedding. 
It was visiting someone in a nursing home, a family member. It was part of a birthday party that was so momentous and engaging. I mean, it just doesn't matter. These dogs become a part of every part of their life. It's my legacy, just as my children are. And I feel like just as much as your puppy becomes a part of someone else's life, I think you really do as well. And I think it's so clear just from talking to the both of you that you're so in each other's lives now. And yes, I would love to hear you both talk about what your relationship is like now that Sadie has gone home with Susan into her new home, into her new life. How often are you and Susan communicating? How often are you updating one another? Just really, what is your relationship like with each other? I have to say that it's a fine line that you have to walk as a breeder. You don't want to be overbearing because I think that families feel that you're second guessing the choice to give them a dog. You do your best to prepare them. I have to know they made home just fine. So there's a phone call or a text because I can get talking and next thing you know, they're like, can I go play with my puppy, please? So there's always contact made once the puppy makes it home. Then I say, I'm going to leave you alone. Enjoy your puppy. And I want you to call me and let me know how things are going. I don't wait. I check the next day. Everybody okay? And I try to open up conversation on the family's terms if I can. Some don't want to talk, which makes me say, okay, you're on my calendar tomorrow. And then others like Susan and Mike. They just give you this wonderful debrief and it makes me feel so good. It tells me that everything's okay, Karen, everything's okay. And then I just do as many follow-ups as I feel are necessary. And that can be different for everyone, but there's definitely a lot of it. And I try to make it as personal as I possibly can. And every time I make sure that I remind my families, don't ever hesitate to reach out to me or not bugging me. I will be upset if you're over in the corner sucking your thumb, not knowing what to do with this puppy and you didn't reach out to me. (laughs) Yeah. And for us, it's only been two weeks, but we've spoken a few times. We've done FaceTime. We've gotten a grooming lesson. You know, we've done some things since we got Sadie that have been really helpful to us. And it's never felt like an intrusion. I don't have the experience yet. I don't have the wisdom and all of the years and multiple puppies that Karen has raised. I'd be foolish not to take advantage of her insights and that knowledge that will only help us with Sadie that much more. So I love the idea of staying in touch and, you know, not necessarily making it a crutch and not figuring things out on our own, but to do it in the most positive way that we possibly can. And we want her to stay in Sadie's life and to see her progress through different stages. You know, there's a lot of joy in that for us too. That's amazing. And I feel like the two of you have really done this amazing job of walking us through this entire process from start to finish, or I won't say finish, but really the next phase (laughs) of Sadie's life and your relationship together. And kind of to wrap things up, Susan, especially working with a dog breeder for the first time, I would love to hear your main takeaways from working with a breeder like Karen and what you would tell someone who is thinking about working with a breeder to find their next dog. Yeah. So you're right. Working with a breeder and Karen in particular has been a great experience for us. And we just feel incredibly fortunate that Good Dog connected us with Karen. But my takeaway and my advice would really be what we have talked about already, which is the relationship between the puppy owner or to be puppy owner and breeder is one that's built on trust and the chemistry has to be right, just like any other relationship. And you need to invest in it and nurture it and value it the way you would any other relationship in your life. And if you do that and build a strong foundation early on, the rest will just take care of itself. So that's my takeaway. 
if you do it right, it will pay dividends and you won't have to do it again. And don't rush into something, you know, trust your gut, trust your instincts. If it doesn't feel right, move on and find the relationship that does meet your bar and feel right. Yes. And I couldn't think of a better note to really end this podcast episode on than trusting your gut, having patience, doing what feels right, because I think that really captures what the dog search is, especially the dog breeder search. So I can't thank you both enough for being here today. It's been so great to speak to you both and really see your relationship come to life. And is there anything that either of you would like to share as we wrap things up? Well, I certainly want to thank Good Dog for the wonderful families that you've helped me connect with. I want to thank Good Dog for, gosh, like I said, raising the bar. It is wonderful. Just really raising the bar and bringing awareness. I have a very strong opinion on animal shelters in that if people supported good breeders, you wouldn't need animal shelters. You wouldn't have backyard breeders. So thank you, Good Dog, for putting in this time and this effort with the breeders, especially to make sure that they're doing everything they can do to produce either as good as what they're starting with or better. There's no point in doing things if you can't do that. So thank you for your support. Thank you for your awareness. Susan, I can't thank you enough for being in my life. We'll be connected forever, and I've enjoyed every moment of it. And then I would like to say to breeders in general, invest as much into your family's relationship as you are investing into the program of your breeding dogs, of your puppies. It has to be there. It can't just be an application and you're number 52 on the list. Please, please up your game. It's so important. It's so important. You created this dog. You are responsible for this dog. Make sure that you follow through. Awesome. And then Susan, did you have any closing remarks that you'd like to share as well? Thank you, Nicole, for moderating, for engendering such a great, I'm at a loss for words. I'm all talking <laughs> about for such a great conversation and for bringing light so many important issues in the process, not only for people like ourselves as puppy buyers, but also for the breeders as well. And we're really thrilled to have had the chance to be part of Karen's realm and her approach to breeding and the dogs that she takes the time to nurture and develop and the investment she makes in her families. I mean, it's really been beyond our expectations. I'm really at a loss for words. <laughs> Thank you for trusting me, Susan. Thank you very much. Thank you both so much for doing this and for speaking with us. It's been such a pleasure to talk to both of you and to shed some light onto what a relationship like this is. Thank you also to our listeners for joining today's episode of the Good Dog Pod. We are so happy we could have Karen and Susan join us and really give us insight into just how special the breeder-buyer relationship truly is. Thank you again for joining us, and we will see you back here for our next episode. Mm-hmm.